0: Um, and the impact that that had on them. We, this morning, have um, taken the bread and eaten it. We've remembered the Lord in His sufferings, and we know that this bread speaks of His body. But in John, He speaks of Himself as that bread from heaven. So the Bible is endlessly fascinating because of the way it ties together lots of different pictures and metaphors and images. And so the Lord Jesus is the living word, and we are to feast on him, eat him, take him in on a daily basis. This is where we find life. And I think that that's something that we oftentimes neglect, oftentimes forget, Um, but it's all throughout Scripture, this idea of eating the Word. Because not only do we feast on Him as the living Word, but this idea of eating the Word of God goes throughout Scripture. The Lord Himself, if you remember, told Satan in the wilderness as he was fasting. He said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So the Lord Jesus modeled this idea of eating the word. And so I thought we could just look at John, Ezekiel, and Jeremiah, three individuals who we see eating the word, and we'll look at the impact on them. So first, just turn to Revelation chapter 10. Just a brief reflection here on this idea. Because the truth is, we could search our own hearts—you know yourself better than anyone else, uh, except for God— and you could say, do I feast on the Word regularly? Do I eat the Word and take it in regularly? You know, we could—I was having a conversation with someone at the camp, and I was asking, how long, could, how long do you think you could go without eating? And so one said one day that we were in a little setting where I was talking to some high schoolers, high school. I think so. Yeah. One day I said, "I, I think you could go more than one day. And another one said three days. And then somebody spoke up, no, that's water. That's not food. Somebody said 40 days and you would die. But the truth is, we could go a while without eating and still live. But then I asked, how long do you think you could go without really feeling it? In other words, without really feeling hunger or hungry. And then they were like, oh, just a few hours. And that's true. And, but the question is, how long can we go without reading the word and taking it in before we feel that hunger? And sadly, some of us can go a, wh- a while. <laughs> We've got good tolerance of that, right? And what we want to do, I think, is to cultivate a relationship with the Word of God where we need it, just like we would need our necessary food. In other words, that we would long for it, we would uh, would feast on it regularly, and then when we skip a meal, we would feel it. And I think that the prophets of God regularly did that. We see John here in chapter 10 of Revelation It's a very mysterious scene. We don't need to read the whole thing. But there's this giant angel. Uh, We don't need to get into what all this symbolism means. But this giant angel, which has its one foot on the sea, one foot on land, and one arm stretched up into heaven. So uniting all three spheres. This angel, who knows exactly who this represents, etc. But that angel has a little book in his hand. Or a little scroll, depending on your translation. And then we read this, verse 8. Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take and eat it, and it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. And then I took the little book out of the angel's hand, and ate it and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth but when i had eaten it my stomach became bitter i love this scene because i think that john if i was john i would be terrified because this angel is giant right it's this huge being and john just walks up give me that scroll i don't think that's how it happened i think he was probably trembling right when the angel said go go get that scroll and eat it and do what you're told so there, there has to be a realization that when we eat the Word of God, there has to be a reverence to it. We have to realize what we're dealing with. It's not just picking up a novel and reading it. You know? I think that we should have that same trembling. Oh, wow, I I get to eat this, you know, this scroll, this word. And we have to realize that sometimes the result can be bitter. And this happens to me. I don't know about you, sometimes I'm reading the Word, and it might be kind of like it is for John. It sounds sweet at first, but then the more I think about it, it starts to become bitter. In other words, because my sin gives me a stomach ache, Right? If I read something in the Word that says, think of others more than you think of yourself, right? Or consider the interests of others above your own. I'm like, doesn't that sound sweet? I could put that on a bumper sticker. I could do a little needlework and have that on, on a pillow. That sounds beautiful. But then the more I think about it, and the more I see how I do not live up to that, it can have this kind of bitterness. We can't run from that, right? And we know that many of the things John was shown in this vision involve judgment and involve terrifying things. And so part of eating the word is being willing to endure that bitterness. You know it reminds me of the an episode or an aspect of the law where and again just for the sake of brevity just to summarize from the book of numbers where if a woman was accused of adultery um the the cur- the Charge would be written out on this tablet, and they would scrape the word into a bunch of water, and she would drink it. I don't know, this is really fascinating, right? It's in, I think, Numbers 5 or something like that. And she would, they would scrape the word into the water, and she would drink it. And if she was guilty of that sin, it would become bitter in her stomach, right? And it would actually lead to pain and implications for future childbearing. And if she wasn't guilty, it would have no effect, right? I think that p- part of what's happening in Revelation is this idea that when we take the word in, if we're guilty of that sin, it causes that bitterness. And that's part of what it means to eat the word. But thankfully, that's not the only effect it can have. If you can turn to Ezekiel chapter 2. Because, of course, when John is writing Revelation, he has his, his mind is filled with Ezekiel. right? We see many of the images coming up, drawn from the book of Ezekiel. The Holy Spirit knits together the entire word. And so you can't read Revelation without also reading Ezekiel's prophecy. And we know right at the beginning of Ezekiel's prophecy, he's told the same thing, to eat the word. Let's look at this scene really quickly here. This is in chapter two. And let's let's look at nine, two, verse nine. Well, step just a little bit back, verse six. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns are with you and you dwell among scorpions. Do not be afraid of their words or dismayed by their looks, though they are a rebellious house. So there you have their words, the words of the people. And then in verse 7, you shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are rebellious. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Now when I looked, there was a hand stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. And then he spread it before me, and there was writing on the inside and on the outside. And written on it were lamentations and mourning and woe. Then in verse 1 of chapter 3, Moreover he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that scroll. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly and fill your stomach with this scroll that I give you. And so I ate, and it was in my mouth like honey in sweetness. Isn't this a fascinating scene? It's so interesting, because Ezekiel, it's almost like, he seems to be a little reluctant because the Lord has to tell him three times to eat it, right? At at first, he says, eat whatever I give you. He doesn't even say it's going to be the word or anything like that. He just wants obedience on the part of Ezekiel. And then he shows him the scroll and it has a lot of lamentations and woe and mourning. And Ezekiel, it's almost like, I don't know if I want to eat it or not. And finally, he says, Feed your belly. In other words, fill your stomach with my word. But Ezekiel, surprisingly, when he eats it, he finds that it is like honey in sweetness. And so, once again, I think this is good for us to see. Sometimes reading the Bible can feel like taking your medicine. right? It's like, here we go, you know. Sometimes we can feel like, I don't understand it. It's confusing. It's depressing. Especially as we read some of the Old Testament and we see some of the story of man's failure again and again. It can be hard, like eating your vegetables, taking your medicine. But oftentimes, I think the Lord will surprise you with a sweetness if you are obedient, like Ezekiel. If you will eat the Word, you you may be surprised in that morning session. Even even though you're reading something maybe a little confusing or a little bit depressing or a little dark and, and, and painful, you may be surprised that the Lord will reward you with honey in your mouth. And then lastly, just flip back to Jeremiah. Jeremiah the weeping prophet. This is Jeremiah 15. Maybe this one can be just uh, the theme verse for the message. Jeremiah 15. So I said he's the, called the weeping prophet because he's always talking about how much how sad he is. If you read the book of Jeremiah again and again, he's flowing rivers of water. And he's so uh, depressed and, and sorrowful. He lived through one of the hardest times in the history of the people of God. He lived through what looked like the dashing of all of their hopes. Um, the, the, the temple destroyed, Jerusalem burned, the people exiled. Think about how sad that is. And so Jeremiah is often called the weeping prophet. But then we have this, this word here. In Jeremiah 15, 16, he's speaking to the Lord, and he says, Your words were found, and I ate them, and your word was to me. The joy and rejoicing of my heart. Your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. I think for us, as followers of the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus who himself ate the word, he feasted on the word of God. And not just the good parts, (laughs) not just the easy parts, not just the sweet parts. He read and memorized, I'm sure, the entire book of Deuteronomy, the curses and the blessings, right? And so you and I, I think, should commit to eating the Word, to feast on it regularly. Sometimes it might be bitter. Sometimes we might expect bitterness and get sweetness. But ultimately, we could say, like Jeremiah, that when we eat the Word, it will be the joy and rejoicing of our heart. Let's persevere in reading the Word Regularly developing that daily habit, memorizing the word and meditating on it, that we might grow strong in the Lord for his work, and that we might be able to share the word with others that we come into contact with for his glory.